everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I'm I am me. <laughs> wow, this is not awkward at all. I'm just sitting here with a microphone in my face. We're going to talk about a superhero movie today. Yeah, it's the only superhero movie I will watch. It is. Did you know that? I knew that, but I don't know if they knew that. I meant you. As in the listener? No, you. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I did know that. Really? Yeah. Oh. It was funny, though, because I was at the gym earlier today and they were playing on MTV. I, I, I selected MTV because I wanted some MTV and then they were playing Batman Begins. And I'm like, <laughs> Great. Ugh. No, I just I don't I really don't like superhero movies. That's a personal problem. I don't like action. and I get lost in it. I think I've talked about that before in some like. Probably the Matrix and mm-hmm. movies like that that have heavy action. I get a little lost in like the motives and like the, what the problem is and it, that kind of stuff. But since The Incredibles is the what? Tar- the Incredibles. The Incredibles. <laughs> what? Is targeted at a younger audience. I can follow the action better because it's targeted at a younger audience. Yeah, because it's meant for younger people to understand what's happening at least. Maybe. I mean, I feel like there's probably some superhero movies that are aimed at younger well, audiences. Well, like, this still is like kid kids. Like, I feel like big superhero movies. What about Spy mo- Kids? Is that a superhero movie? No. no. <laughs> They're not superheroes. Super They're spy spies. movies. <laughs> I like that one, too. So, The Incredibles. One two. and two. One and two. The Incredibles 2 just came out. Right. So, it's timely. We saw it in theaters. Did you happen to notice that they omitted the in this round? Yes, I did. I, I did in the research. I saw that some fans were mad about it. I mean, oh, really? now knowing it, I'm like kind of bothered that it doesn't match. But I didn't notice. Hmm. By my, I didn't notice by myself. I noticed it. I, I wasn't sure why they did it, though. I, I mean, I, I feel like uh, we tend to want fewer syllables these days to say in a title of something. And yeah. The Incredibles is kind of already a lot mouthful as it is and so if they were going to add a two to it they probably just said let's cut out the so that's the same number of syllables I guess, as the but like original. i feel like people wouldn't say the the like a lot of people would call it incredibles even if there wasn't or there was a the there mm-hmm. so like there's no harm in putting it yeah. to me good point i agree but they didn't. So <laughs> so we're covering mostly Incredibles 2 today, but we're going to dive, kind of go back and forth. Yeah, we recently, between we recently The Incredibles is rewatched uh, the first The Incredibles. And if you don't know, we're Hiking Book Club hosted by Zeleni and Cameron. I'm Zeleni. I'm Cameron. And we're basically like a book club for movies. So today we're book clubbing to The Incredibles and The Incredibles. Er, Incredibles and Incredibles too. <laughs> See, now it's hard. <laughs> you gotta be, you gotta be correct. I know, clearly, uh, it's annoying. <laughs> but yeah, so we we recently rewatched the first one. It was basically, I had to. yeah, it was basically Cameron's first time watching it. He was gasping a lot and whatnot, <laughs> as usual. <gasps> I forgot about that. He always gasps at movies he says he's seen so it's confusing because it's like he's watching it for the it's first sad i can't remember <laughs> i can't remember where i originally saw it but i definitely saw it one time um i didn't see it though when oh. it had came out what year did the first one come out 2004. in 2004 i didn't see it in 2004 it was weird because 
I remember I, I really wanted to see it because of the trailer. I think maybe the trailer was in Finding Nemo or something Probably. like some big other Pixar movie that was coming out. And I remember loving the trailer so much. My mom, too. And for some reason, she just forgot about it. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to go see it. So we never did. And then... My mom loved Finding Nemo, so what we probably did was saw the trailer and then saw Finding Nemo and then got the DVD because we loved it so much and just watched the DVD at home of Finding Nemo and never went to go see The Incredibles. But then finally, I, I got my hands on it and watched The Incredibles. And I remember thinking that it was only all right when I had watched it originally, but and this was probably like 2011 or 12, but having rewatched it now... There's there's so much to unpack in it, and really I definitely is. appreciate it a whole lot now. I do think we shouldn't do. Uh, normally, we do a the first part of the podcast is spoiler free, and the second half has spoilers. But I think as far as the first one goes, we are going to have spoilers in this part because it's so old. Most people have seen it if they're going to see The Incredibles 2. I think it's import more important that we review Incredibles 2 spoiler-free, but like not worry about the first one having spoilers. So sure. if you haven't seen the first one, you shouldn't listen to this. But we will warn you with a musical break when there's going to be spoilers for Incredibles 2. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, it's so old and it informs <laughs> like the sequel. So, But yeah, definitely... I, I saw it like a million times back then when I was a kid. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> yes. And <laughs> I hadn't seen it probably in like 10 years or so since I was a teen or something. And it was so different watching it this time around. Like I remembered all of the plot, but like I totally see it from a different perspective now. We were talking when we were watching it, we were talking about how as a child, you probably watched it more from a child's perspective mm -hmm. and from, well, from the, the viewpoint of the children in the movie. Yeah. Right. Which I definitely did. I mean, I related a lot to Violet being an emo girl and she was an emo girl. Yeah, clearly I was an emo girl. She, I think she was like a perfect representation of like the emo girl thing back mm -hmm. then. <laughs> but it's so great how one of her eyes is covered by her hair. Exactly. That's peak emo. Come on. And just her attitude. Like, I related to her a lot. And then I also had, like, a younger brother of a similar age difference that was, like, hyper. So I related in that dynamic, too. Did you just say peak emo? Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, peak emo, like, symbol is oh, the great. hair covering. Anyway, I definitely saw it through her eyes and, like, the kids perspective like say when they hide and in the plane they're when yeah. the mom leaves yeah. like i saw it from their perspective of like oh yeah my mom never wants me to see or or know about the adult stuff right but i want to know like that perspective but now i saw it definitely from like the parents perspective uh -huh, uh -huh. and the adult perspective and i did not expect that at all it's so amazing <laughs> to look at it now most of I don't know. It makes me want to revisit a lot more Pixar movies now because yeah. I'm wondering if I maybe missed on some missed on some of the key themes in the movies because I was watching it from a children's lens. Yeah. Um, where like I'm just trying to think, oh, this was another point that I guess I wanted to make. So I had also mentioned that if I I, I didn't do my research, so I can't confirm this, but I feel like this was the first movie where the protagonist, or the first Pixar movie where the protagonists of 
the Pixar movie were humans. I think so. Whereas all the previous, I, I mean, I feel like this was an issue. Like, I don't know if I watched like a behind the scenes thing or something, but how it was difficult for them to animate humans Super realistically. Different. Well, what had happened was, okay, so the movie was written and directed by Brad Bird. Brad Bird. Both one and two were. And he originally did The Iron Giant, which right. I hadn't heard of, but Cameron had. And it kind of flopped. After that, he pitched The Incredibles and somehow con- got in contact with John Lasseter. I think they were like old school friends or something. Mm. And he liked it. But he brought in all of his animators from The Iron Giant. Mm. So there he learned 3D mm. just for The Incredibles. So it was like extra difficult to do the humans in The Incredibles. And honestly, yeah, you can tell. I was also... Not expecting that, but when we rewatched it, seeing like how the animation has progressed Mm -hmm. since 2004, because there are so many parts of The Incredibles that look kind of like a video game, (laughs) like very sort of Uh simple 3D animation. Yeah. Not much. Like it looks like there's like 10 layers missing of like texturizing and lighting and all that that we have now, but... It's like it's kind of it looks like I'm excited to talk <laughs> more about the the Incredibles too yeah. and how they address that differences. So yeah, the Incredibles was the first Pixar movie with with humans as the protagonists and this was a big technical challenge for them to do. And also um, like high action with like mm-hmm. a lot of locations and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because of that by nature the these protagonists that are in the movie are adults and they really utilize the adult space in this children's piece of media. Yeah. Um, and what we were noticing in the first, you know, 30 minutes, first half of the movie is that they're dealing with some very uh, adult realities mm-hmm. of, well, now now I'm blanking, but well, <laughs> like family, like no, having a house. Literally, yeah. Like watching it, it was it's like politics was yeah, in it. Yeah, politics and policy type stuff Mm -hmm. suicide was a a very important part of like the opening sequence because the guy trying to commit suicide and mr incredible saves his life but he ends up injured through and then he like gets sued and then yeah he sues mr incredible because he was like i wanted to die (laughs) like and it's like and everybody's on the guy on the suicide side yeah and and so they banned superheroes for that reason like wait what like i did not get that as a kid that there was like suicide involved it's that's super dark and then there's the whole thing of like feeling annoyed with mediocrity after Mm -hmm. the super thing which like the suburban life it definitely feels like a parallel for that, like moving from like bachelor kind of right lifestyle to like suburban family. Like, yeah, it, I f- it feels like a parallel for sure. And getting wrapped up in the nostalgia of the glory days yeah. that they once lived. Yeah. Um, in real life, it's like college or like bachelor after yeah. college. I don't know, whatever it is. And then how their marriage gets threatened in some sense because sure. he's trying to go out and he, you know, he's lying to his wife, basically. Oh, that's right. He gets fired from the job. Well, because he hits the boss. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then we're at the same time, though, his wife thinks that he actually got a promotion and oh, he's going out to all these lying. conferences. Yeah. And so it's kind of got this other theme of, you know, going behind your wife's back yeah. and thinking 
you know, she thinks that you're doing one thing when in reality, at least, at least he wasn't cheating. So, but, but like was he cheating almost, on the job? <laughs> like almost cheating, right? You know? Like with the girl Mirage, who's very like oh sexy, whatever. <laughs> <sighs> who's like a toothpick at the same time? But yeah, that's the one thing that a also <laughs> dates this movie. I wish she like, was a toothpick. I feel like the size of the waist of the women, like is what also it kind of dates this movie as that time period when that was like more okay oh yeah <laughs> I feel like now they've tried to have a push more for like a little realistic mm-hmm. but like literally elastic like it could be girls, achieved now but yeah elastic girls waist is like there's nothing I mean, it's just like it, a triangle <laughs> yeah. the end of a triangle that meets another end of the top exactly. tip of the and triangle. her ass is like enormous it's like <laughs> okay <laughs> it's unrealistic I mean to be fair, like the the only way I I help justify it is that Mr. Incredible is also like kind of an unrealistic male, mm-hmm. but he gets to get fat and she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like in the suburban life, Mr. Incredible gets kind of fat. And That's true. Then he loses weight. But what is up with her accent? Who's the his wife's accent? What's her name? Holly Hunter. Holly. That's the name of the. Oh no, uh, Helen. Helen. What is up with Helen's accent? It's like a kind of strange country lisp. She has an accent. She totally has an I accent. She she totally notice. has an accent. Oh really? She she was in Little Black Book. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's just the 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 adult themes and parallels were so relatable. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it was certainly something fresh to come to this movie to see, considering what i'm used to with pixar yeah um i mean i can always count on pixar for mixing both those worlds really well but i definitely believe that they prioritize more of the children's experience than the adults and so i felt like they reversed it for this go round which was very appropriate and very cool very uh incredible i feel like if you are not an adult watching this movie you're only getting half the story (laughs) like untucked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you think any kids listen to our podcast no <laughs> <laughs> thank god barely any adults <laughs> but if you're an adult and you haven't rewatched the incredibles as an adult i would definitely recommend yeah definitely because you definitely see it differently for sure just like that the, especially the opening sequence like all of that is like and like dealing with press and right i don't know it's just so adult feeling did you realize that both these movies take place in the 60s. I kind of got that. I didn't. I mean, like, it has the aesthetic, but I didn't... I don't know. I just figured it was, like, more recent. <laughs> Wait, they take place in the 60s? Yeah. So does that mean that... Like, they're in the mid-60s. Even with the kids? Yes. So they would have been the the glory days, uh-huh. so to speak, or, like, the 30s and 40s? Um, Probably, like, the 40s or... Maybe even fifties. Like I don't, I don't know how much longer after the girl isn't that old. I guess forties, maybe. I mean, he gets pretty chubby, and <laughs> <laughs> he really like pines on it. So I don't know. I I don't know, but I just I didn't realize that they actually took place in the sixties. It's hard for me to believe that the sequel takes place in the sixties because I mean I get it, but huh? Okay, isn't that weird? It is strange based on the architecture, the cars right, that they right, drive, right. all of that. And the appliances in the homes. It's definitely got 
the 60s vibe. I just thought that that was the aesthetic, aesthetic that they were yeah, going that's for. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Uh, but it was no really clearly defined time period. It's just like modern America. Right, right, right. Um, no, apparently it's the 60s. Huh. I don't think that that's an important detail. I think it is because... Why? Isn't there segregation in the 60s? Well, yes, but they don't accentuate well, but anything about... Well, there. Exactly. It's like they don't accentuate the fact that it's in the 60s, and I that's guess. why I wasn't able to really pick that up. I guess maybe it's more loose. Yeah. But still. I mean, I guess they also have superheroes, so, you know, that's not accurate. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, really, the time period is uh, irrelevant. It doesn't really... Uh, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. It's... Hmm. It kind of reminds me of Watchmen because Watchmen is... I um, think this was inspired or mm-hmm. it's been compared a lot to it. As yeah. well as Fantastic Four. So you haven't seen Watchmen? No, I don't watch superhero movies. I right. told you. Well, you would well like Watchmen. I the think. only superhero movie I've seen is Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire. Need a hero and to one, save of the, us. one of the Batman ones. <laughs> I think I actually think you would like Watchmen. Watchmen is That's really what everyone says about every superhero movie <laughs> they watch. Mm. <laughs> I actually the first time I saw Watchmen was here in Austin. What what is sim- the reason that they have the comparisons is because it's the same idea of old superheroes and how they like were had they had their glory days in the past and now trying to like adapt and, and you know reclaim themselves as you know, needed by society because at this point it's like society has moved on and they're not championed like they once w- championed like they once were. So it's the same type of deal in Watchmen. And since Watchmen was a comic book that came out, I'm pretty sure before the Incredibles, yeah, I can yeah. see that where the inspiration would come from. For sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was inspired also by like the spy sort of genre of movies. Oh, cool. Which makes sense. And we, we touched on that with mm-hmm. the music. Yeah. The soundtrack. Michael... Giac- Giacchino. I can't uh, say his name. It sound, looks Italian, but... He did you find out what else he's done? Yeah, I mean, I think he did Ratatouille and Coco huh. and other Pixar stuff. I mean, Brad Bird also directed Ratatouille. I didn't know that, oh, but that's cool. one of my favorite. That and Monsters, Inc. go back and forth as my favorite Pixar movie. Mm. So, that's cool. Brad Bird, <laughs> he's good. He's good. <laughs> he's good. I like The Incredibles a lot, though. And, well, my favorite part of Brad Bird is that he voices my favorite character. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Miss the drag queen herself, Edna Mode. Not Syndrome? Huh? Not Syndrome? No. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Just kidding. No. Edna Edna. Mode. Oh, she's... So what do you think about Edna? She's amazing. What does she she mean for for this movie? She's just like the... (sighs) Like, the voice of reason, almost, I feel like. You know, like, the person we can turn to for, like, what's right. Right. She definitely has the most constant in the Mm -hmm. movie of all the characters. She's always going to be there to be sharp and reasonable. You know, she's she's also... She she comes back in Incredibles 2, in case anyone's wondering. That's something that I would be wondering and would be happy to hear. Mm -hmm. You know? she she That's make an appearance (laughs) (laughs) albeit a little later then don't don't no more all right okay it's not spoilers she's a great character and i remember watching i can't remember why but there was like some sort of meme or gif thing going around it wasn't a gif but it was just kind of like one of those clips where we there's another clip in the um incredibles that had 
was spread around on the internet too. But it's specifically the clip of where she is showing all of the costumes off for the first time. And it's like, you know, when... I guess it's like when somebody is speaking real to you or something. I don't Oh, I don't remember that. I, I can't remember. But uh. <laughs> anyways, it was uh it was a cool clip to watch and it was definitely uh made me reinterested before I even had rewatched it this time. But yeah, so she did she has that scene where she shows off the costumes to the wife who still hasn't really figured out what has happened to her husband. Yeah, I just uh, her whole sequences uh, always that was always my favorite part i just love the the fashion nod to like the you know diva type designer that is really good you know but also i just love how she like treats them like like she just wants them to come to her you know mm-hmm. <laughs> she wants their company and but she's also like tough love on them she's a bitch but secretly like really sweet yeah i mean she's tough love completely mm-hmm. like she expects them to come to her for her their outfits but like she is tough on them like no cape you know <laughs> she's so <laughs> smart about that too and i love how the no cape moment oh, comes, comes back, back yeah yeah to, for sure. uh, yeah Full to, circle. to mess up syndrome so i wanted to just take a moment to talk about syndrome Ugh. Uh, well we have to talk about the antagonist no, no, i know and, and honestly syndrome is like uh, again, I feel like this is another adult moment that like you understand better as an adult, like the whole like psychology. Yeah. Well, like the scorned fan thing. Mm. I feel like as a kid, you don't really care that much. But like we see it so much now with celebrity and how fans take ownership of celebrities now and mm. are wow. so, you know, like they think like they own the celebrities like they see them on the street they expect them to treat them super nice and take a selfie and chat with them for a while like you know and if they don't do that if the celebrity doesn't do that they'll go on twitter and like hate on them and expose whatever the hell that's like oh that person was rude to me and it's just so weird like to me it's like parallel of that kind of villain and like showing them as villains because like people like that are not in the right i just think that's another parallel that i didn't get till now and also now it's different or but even then like even back before social media was big paparazzis are super invasive Mm -hmm. and evil we've seen it with like the britney spears old clips of like them following her in the bathroom and shit like Mm. you know it's it's just kind of like that sense of being a scorned fan i don't know to me it's like very real like based on something real it definitely is. It happens in that opening sequence where mm-hmm. the he kicks the kid out of the car. I mean, oh, okay, okay, hold up. Like the kid was waiting in his car. Yeah, for that's him. what I mean. Like, like that's a little extreme. Like fans though, too. go and seek out like at hotels, let's yeah. say celebrity singers or whatever, and then they ex- like expose them on Twitter if the celebrity gets mad that they're at their hotel where they're supposed to like. That's like their home, you know, it's like you can't just show up and expect them to be happy about it. Right. And like kids, like the kids from Stranger Things, too. Like you see footage of them arriving at their hotel with like a crowd there and they're just like, oh, please. Like they're they're clearly like frustrated. Right. But they just spin it to make them look like grumpy celebrities, you know, it's 
Yeah, eh, it is also part of the superhero canon, I feel like. It's like a common theme where the fan of the superhero wants to help the superhero mm-hmm. and be part of it. I mean, I don't think it's fair to directly parallel that to Robin and Batman, like Batman and Robin. No. But no, um, I, mean, I do know, well, or, or just like in The Dark Knight Rises, Batman also has fans that are trying to become like little well, mini Batmans so does to Harry help Potter. Him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's just like a thing with any sort of celebrity. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's has to do with celebrity fan hmm. relations and like how fans can be so ridiculous. So he becomes a, a weapon maker, a weapon yeah, manufacturer. Yeah, like a tech guy. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, has his own volcano island mm-hmm. and he has this elaborate plan that entices Mr. Incredible to come work for him doing these little side jobs that eventually lead to his captivity, I guess, at the well, volcano he, island. He tries to like, he, he kills every superhero. That's another thing oh, like for a kid's yeah. movie, like he literally is killing every superhero in hiding. Right. Like, that's fucked up. It's amazing that we don't ever <laughs> see it, but he, uh, we just see how Mr. Incredible discovers that. Yeah, so. like actual killing. Right. Like, there's a lot of killing in this movie and, like, death that is weird. I think it's weird for, like, a kid's movie. That's another, like, more adult sort of element. Hmm. But, yeah, like, he, he brings superheroes one by one with the same kind of scam. They bring Mr. Incredible and, like, kills them. And he just, if, if the superhero kills his machine, he just makes a better one. And that's how he's made like better and better machines. What did you think of Syndrome as a super villain? I mean, I got it. I like that it was based on reality and I saw that. Like it wasn't just like a crazy guy. Right. That's it just was, like randomly insane. Right. Or just randomly like a, a murder, you know, like there's. Pause. I, yeah, I like that. I like that realism. I like for sure that I'm able to analyze it into like, or translate it into the real world. I like that a lot. Of, and honestly, I think it's important to have that in any kind of piece of media, rather than having just this random madness or random weapon that they have to fight against. That's just the default evil force. It's yeah more we can relate to it more, and I think we get more involved if we can see this reason or this transformation that this person's gone from good to evil in it. And so, yeah, I don't think it's necessary for every piece of media. I feel like sci-fi doesn't really have that, but superhero movies do, but I feel like superhero movies, usually the motive has to do with like someone in the family dying. Hmm. But I like that this time it was a little different. Yeah. His his hair is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a loaf. It's like actually his like whole body <laughs> make is like <laughs> really weird. Yeah, I mean he's made to be very evil. Yeah. It's crazy that he dies as well. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just so funny. He's so he's like the worst type of superhero because he doesn't have any superpowers. Well, that's the thing. Like he makes himself yeah. And he was planning to sell it to like the military or something. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and his whole plan to, I mean, I thought it was a really, it's a good plot for the movie, how he wants to, you know, kill the last of the Incredibles and then unleash a giant monster machine, that robot machine that he has control over with this arm device. But, you know, it's just kind of like this classic, I guess, like ex machina type of story where the, 
inventions that you create come back to destroy you. Yeah, that's true. So, but it's also like he w- also like wanted to like sell his technology to everyone so that everyone's super so that no one is super. Oh, yeah. And that was yeah. like the smart philosophical moment he yeah. had. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That's an interesting line. It honestly stuck with me like my whole life. Hmm. I don't know why. As far as Incredibles 2, I mean, obviously, if you're a fan of the first one, it's worth a watch. It was well done. The animation is really incredible. <laughs> and <laughs> the short before it is really sad. Get ready to cry. We'll talk about that in the second half. I feel bad. I can't even remember what the short was. Well, get into it. All right. You'll remember. Trust me. I believe it. Yeah. So let's go ahead and. Well, so you'd recommend oh, it. Well, what do you say? Oh, I would definitely recommend it. I definitely recommend rewatching the first one. Yes. Because uh, even if even if you feel like you watched it a million times in the past, it's good to have a refresher and you know try to take maybe if you listen to this, you know you can take this and then rewatch it and be like, oh yeah, that's right, they were talking especially about that. Especially if, or especially since like The Incredibles two. I don't think this is a spoiler because you find out in the first two seconds, but. It takes place like the moment we left off in the first one. So it's it's very much like continuity thing. It's good to. That's a little bit of a spoiler to me. You think? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I was definitely blown away when I discovered it. I was like, wow, there's like no gap. I mean, so this could be like a transition moment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just because. Uh, so we're in the spoiler part now. <laughs> and yes, I recommend going out to see both of them. Uh, they're both really good then the incredibles 2 it picks up right like literally the second uh where the first one it actually kind of goes back i guess a couple seconds before that moment but yeah i i want more sequels to be like this yeah it's nice and i think brad bird was very much for not having a time jump Mm -hmm. just i think mainly because like to not have to write new developments for the characters like already knowing who they were and like not having to like deal with like let's say violet is an adult now like it's, right and it's so yeah. good because it goes it, it, it picks up on that uh last little story bit that we yeah. left off of from the voice of her relationship with that boy that ends up right. becoming kind of important for this one it does well <sighs> uh-huh i forgot <laughs> no Whenever you hear me beatbox, that means Lenny <laughs> is trying to gather her thoughts. Well, but then the beatboxing <laughs> distracts me and I'm like listening instead <laughs> 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 of thinking. Um, anyway, it'll come back to me. Okay. Well, yeah, so the opening sequence in uh, The Incredibles 2, really fun. It's it, it's action packed, so oh, it pulls us right on in. I remember But now. then isn't also the, the, the interrogation scene? Yes. Yeah. So what is. do you remember? That... When I first saw The Incredibles, I thought the ending was like this huge cliffhanger that like meant a sequel was coming like right away, you know. But now when I rewatched it, I was like, wait, I don't think it was a cliffhanger. It was just like, you know, a clever way to like end it to show you that they keep doing this. Like, that's it. Then there's not much to it. But I literally I was like, oh, my God, this is like what's gonna happen because <laughs> as, right. as a kid you don't know what it's, the point is you see something not finished and you're like <gasps> like <laughs> where's the rest but of it, it? What, it's so <laughs> ridiculous though it's like 
swamp man undermining. or undermining. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so gross and ridiculous, but also makes sense. <laughs> right. No. Well, I, and, I see and where we you're coming saying, from. Like this world is very scary. <laughs> they have so many villains. It's like all this, the time. Just people tearing up the streets. It's yeah. terrifying. Uh, I don't know. But that's every superhero world. I guess. <laughs> I did, that's why I don't even that's why I don't like superhero movies. I, this is animated so I think that's what makes me over it, but like <laughs> the live action ones are too real. Like I'm just like what what are all those people in that car that just got like or the Brooklyn Bridge? Yeah, <laughs> just any anything like, like what do you happened? realize that's an artifact? Yeah, like who that the insurance pay for all the cars destroyed the buildings destroyed you like, know you make such a good yeah because all the cars just like will fall down and yeah. it's like are well, those people are there people driving those cars or literally they're just like the giant robot walks down the street and steps on every car in the way right? like it's just like the, like oof. punches through a building and it's like was somebody on their computer yeah. <laughs> surfing the internet listening to our podcast like <laughs> yeah so i I get mad about that, and I think since The Incredibles is animated, I get over it a little bit. But mm. I definitely felt it in that scene of like the underminer, just like yeah. <laughs> fucking up <laughs> everything. <laughs> well, he just like, and all due respect, he came, he dug up underneath a parking lot. So that's you know, still cars. Like, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, like, do we need more that? parking lots? <laughs> it's people's cars and people's lives. Okay, but not an animation, at least. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So. Well, no, I kind of want to. Okay. Well, I just want to expand a little bit on it because one of my points that I wanted to make is that The Incredibles 2 follows along. Like, I had some. And I think this is a criticism of The Incredibles 2 is the story. Yes. And how original the story is. And I actually referenced it earlier (laughs) a little bit without giving it away in the non spoiler part. But I said a lot of superhero movies the villain's motives are like a family member dying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I was referring to Incredibles 2 as well with that, which it, it's also, I feel like, the plot for like so many superhero movies. But this one too. Remind me. So the the bad bitch, which was also predictable. I, I was disappointed with Pixar because... Normally, their twists, like, they make you think the twist is going to be something. They, like, tease you with it a little bit. And then they make it some other thing that you didn't expect at all. I feel bad because I kind of, I did, I did get twisted. Well, like. I didn't expect it to be who it was. I. I expected it to be the, the, uh, white guy. I did too. But I expected either one. And I was just like. Oh, it's one of them. It's one of them. And then it was her. And I was like, I thought it, I don't know. I was like, to me, the bigger gag would be that they were both good, you know? Right. (laughs) Both of them. Because I felt like, oh, it's probably one of them. But But then I was like, oh, is Pixar trying to trick me into thinking it's one of these? Because that's kind of, you know, what I'm thinking. But no, they didn't. That's so interesting. (laughs) So are you saying that she... Like, you have to remind me, did she have a family member that Their was parents. Their parents died because there was an intruder coming in to, like, their house. And th- the dad called one of the superhero <gasps> right. hotlines and he got shot. Right. So the son loves superheroes because his dad loved them till the very end. Right. And then the sister hates superheroes because... 
the dad loved them till the very end and then they didn't come through. That's so. sort of similar to what I was thinking, which is that superheroes, the idea that superheroes cause more problems than they fix, yeah. which I think is definitely the ongoing, really overplayed uh, story in um, all the superhero movies that I can really think of as of late is that it's this common and it, it makes sense because it's sort of like the big it is kind of like the biggest conflict that you could try to make that's realistic is how modern society is having a problem with superheroes and they want to like regulate them and so they have to have some sort of political action against it but anyways that's what's like really common i think now in almost every superhero movie that i see is that they have a problem with superheroes destroying the city and it's like you know what you're 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 done you're get kicked out of here we'll we'll try to deal with it ourselves it makes sense because then the villains well it becomes more like a villain versus hero thing and the villain will like use the girlfriend or the family or like pedestrians or whatever the civilians right as like weapons just to get to the hostages yeah like hostages I'm thinking of Spider-Man because <laughs> that's the only one. That's my only point of reference. <laughs> but those kinds of problems, like those people wouldn't be in danger if like you, yeah. the hero wasn't there. Definitely the hostage thing is, is very common. Yeah. Which makes which sense. They didn't have that here. Right. But anyway. Yeah. I, I, I was disappointed in the twist. Like it was a twist, but like it was also kind of predictable not, one. Too. It wasn't the most innovative twist. Like mm-hmm. it was a twist. It wasn't like, I knew, but it was it was more like one of my scenarios in my head that I was like, this might happen instead. And Pixar has like really twisted it on me sometimes where, For I'm sure. like, where I'm like, I did not see that coming. For sure. So I expect more from Pixar, I think. But huh. I think a lot of other things were really well done. I mean, the animation, I saw the fuzz on the shirts that <laughs> everyone does. So, like, if you watch it closely, like, you can see, like, the fuzz, the light fuzz on their fabrics and stuff. <laughs> it's, like, that detailed of wow. animation. Because I remember there was, like, a meme when the trailer came out that, like, zoomed in on Mr. Incredible's shirt and was, like, this is why it's taken 15 years. <laughs> it's, like, you see the fuzz. Oh, great. But the, anim- yeah, the like animation. Like the lint. Yeah, like, pretty <laughs> much. So <laughs> That's what I came I was looking for. for. I was, like, where is oh, it? Oh, waited 15 years for this <laughs> lint. Well, on Twitter, when I announced this episode, I put the gif of it's too late, 15 years too late. (laughs) That's syndrome says, because that's so true. That's literally when we were watching the first one, when we got to that line, Cameron was like, that's like how we feel about the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. But I mean, at least it was animated in 2018 level (laughs) yeah so the animation was pretty phenomenal and i expected no less and they delivered what i guess struck me most about this animation was there were a lot more long shots that they used which might just be more a general trend in i mean i think it's it's a technical like before they didn't have the ability to do stuff and now they were able to like do any sort of action sequence or any shot they wanted it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So the action sequences were really amazing and captivating. There's this one specific like shot in. Well, it's the sequence of Miss and Mrs. Incredible, who our elastic girl, who is she's like on her first official job with the 
you know, people that are trying to hire her and she's on her motorcycle and I can't remember what her goal is, like what she's trying to stop, but she's on her motorcycle. There's two points I have with this scene. One is that the scene was very similar. Like to me, I felt like the scene was directly influenced by the dark Knight because uh, the dark Knight has a very, uh, iconic motorcycle scene in it as well, where, the person who it's like Alfred or it's not Alfred, it's actually Lucius. But anyways, the person that's on Batman's end is like feeding him uh, information about what the target is doing. And that impacts the way that the superhero drives on the motorcycle and how they follow it. So that's one example. So I had some Dark Knight influence here. But then also, secondly, the way that the cameras were set up or the shots so that like we see from behind her back the perspective of where she's about to jump. And then it like when she lands on it, it's like exactly where the camera angle had set us up to expect where the next shot could be. And it just worked out really, really well. And I remember just thinking like, man, they're they're pulling out all the stops on this. Yeah. For um, sure. Just the last bit on the long shots. What's really powerful for me with these long shots were the light was the lighting, and the lighting really established the emotional mood that I felt like the character was feeling in these long shots. Because usually the long shots would be sort of like uh, either at the very beginning or the very end of a scene to help establish a mood that they wanted us to feel with the character. And there were some specific shots with Mister Incredible more towards. I guess the second half where he was starting to feel really sad and lonely without Elastigirl being around and kind of like, you know, why am I stuck with the kids while she's out and about? And so it was this mood of loneliness. And I remember there were some key long shots that helped really establish that where he looks really, his body is very small in the frame. And I think to me that symbolized feeling Mm -hmm. isolated and alone. So that was really cool. I thought it was interesting how the story switched. I mean, it's very, it makes sense for now. Mm-hmm. Switched Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl and that created issues with Mr. Incredible. Like mm-hmm. he had some sort of like, he was a little, you know, misogynistic and was like, why not? Why isn't it me? I'm Mr. Incredible. You right. Know? <laughs> like, yeah. And he was all jealous and of her success, which I think is a parallel could be to like, you know, a woman that's getting higher in her career and like her husband may be feeling annoyed that he has more of like the family duties. Well, that was a big theme actually, I think. And mm-hmm. well, uh, not, okay. I take it back. Not big theme, but it was a subtle theme. Yeah. It was like the adult Incredibles theme. Too. Right. Yeah. Well, cause <laughs> what was it? There was a point where I can't remember seeing, he was just like, you know, the, he was like br- brute power, like, like big problems require big strength, oh, something yeah. like that. <laughs> and it was kind of this very clear scene where they were trying to, accentuate his misogynistic views like that that yeah. are very conservative and yeah so they, they, I, they definitely did a good job of and it was good it was it's only like pixar's third movie with like a female protagonist mm-hmm. um and it's their 20th movie wow so that, that's interesting they switched the roles up like she she's the protagonist of incredibles 2 and that's cool because we get to see more of her Compared to the first one, we don't see as much. And I like we see more of Mr. Incredible in the house and how he mm-hmm. eventually figures out how to do well in that environment. Because right. he's really bad at first, but then he gets better. And yeah. it's like, oh, that's good. <laughs> well, I guess speaking on uh, his house duties, let's talk about the toddler. 
Uh, yeah. He's scary. <laughs> yeah. I think he symbolizes real babies. <laughs> 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 because that's how I see babies. That's <laughs> terrifying. Move everywhere. Cry. Because babies do. They get out of their cribs and they yeah. like you know figure out how to get weird places without you knowing it's ridiculous but yeah so and mr incredible was losing all the sleep yeah exactly that's if that's not parallel i don't know what is (laughs) yeah i mean it was his powers were interesting i think it has to do with him being a baby too that like powers are more less defined or less defined when you're Hmm. a baby but he has well they're uncontrollable yeah, and he has like 17, I saw. What? Yeah. They counted them? Yeah, they did. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to me. Like, in one, on one hand, I, I think it's really cool that the, the toddler who can't control any of his superpowers, his, can't control any of his superpowers, actually has like all of, all of these amazing superpowers. But on the same time, to- on the other hand, I thought it was very like overkill. Convenient. That too. <laughs> Just like, like convenient at points. Yeah, it's like they they have every superpower they'll ever need. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just also except for freezing. Clearly, you know they <laughs> <laughs> reserve that for Frozen. Yeah. Who I love so yes. much. Um, I I really appreciate there is more Frozen in the sequel. For sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that comes with just like fifteen years of fan reactions. Well, to yeah, but also calculate. like it makes sense because he's also a super that wants to get back out. So mm-hmm. it makes sense, like if supers are re-emerging he would be part of that too yeah but yeah this baby just had way too many superpowers for me (laughs) it was difficult to keep track of them and i mean maybe if they had if the super baby had like three four maybe solid superpowers to consistently rotate through then that's cool but i felt like it was just like they were trying to one up the superpowers every other scene to be like oh yeah but you didn't realize he could do that too that's really convenient for this situation (laughs) it is so which ended up being an important piece of the plot because the parents end up getting sucked into the hypnotism of the villain and then the kids are afraid to go find their parents but then they realize that they have their toddler what's the name jack 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 Jack. uh they realize they have jack jack and they're like all right well we're more confident now that we can make it happen because we have jack jack and so well no he the stupid baby runs away as usual when they get there oh yeah they take jack jack with them though yeah well but they have to because their house gets raided that's true too and frozen gets taken over Oh, yeah. Because Frozone was like the babysitter or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was, they w- they didn't want to leave. They just had to because they got right. attacked by, Man, so well, the, the, the girl that's the portal girl. <laughs> She's oh, straight up yeah. taken from the portal <laughs> video game. Yeah. Series. So there's a video game. <laughs> Is this a computer video game? Yes. Yeah. PC a lot of, most people know the game Portal. Really? Yes. I, how did I not know about because it? Because you're an alien. <laughs> We've been over this. Gosh, I had never heard about it until Zeleni forced me to play it, which it's really fun, but I've certainly gotten to a level that stumped me and I don't know <laughs> what to do now. But yeah. I, it's just funny. Like her portals look exactly like oh, yeah. <laughs> portal portals. That's so true. It's She just doesn't have a gun, mm-hmm. but I thought that was interesting. This is Void we're talking about. Mm. That's her name, I think. So the glasses are crazy. Well, that's what... So two things I found interesting that were sort of modern things that got brought into the sequel as compared to the first one was 
The goggles are basically VR, what? like VR headsets. How? Because like the goggles put the screen like in front of their eyes the way VR goggles do. Virtual reality. Have you seen VR goggles before? I'm so Can they see through the goggles? I mean, I was you know, this is like that's interesting true. point. That's actually like I think that's a like a flaw or like a fluke, yeah, like a a mistake. Kind I of. think it's a mistake. <laughs> I think it is because they're supposed to be hypnotized by this, you know, bright r- r- light. Right, right, right. But like a VR thing. Yeah, but like they also can see through it to com- fight. fight very accurately. Very accurately. Yeah, very I'm quickly. not sure. I think that was just like one of those things that are like, oh, we're going to gloss. You guys suspend your disbelief. Oh, th- that's our one. You think that's the one The catch? one coincidence. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. the one coincidence that are allowed that okay. like, they just, you just have to believe it. <laughs> I guess. Somehow. But I saw it as very much like inspired by virtual reality. I didn't get that at all, just but that's the, cool. Just, <laughs> the, just the concept of like having a screen in your eyes. Yeah. Uh, with like a, some sort of goggle headset sort of thing. I mean, not. I don't think it's a commentary on it or anything. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, but just that it was inspired by. Huh. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, it's definitely, it's a key plot point that. Yeah, it definitely is. They had to decide that that was what they were going to do and that was going to be like the villain's main weapon. Yeah. Um, I just think it makes sense in this world when we have a lot of VR stuff happening. It's like, hmm. it's like a device that is inspired by it. Mind control. Um, but the other modern concept that I was very excited about because it's like my favorite topic in the world is reality TV and how that was like their big plan to get superheroes to be in the public's favor again is to basically make a reality show about their perspective, like their perspective camera. Oh, them solving. yeah. Like to me, I was like, this is reality TV. Like this is a reality TV pitch. Like it totally is. <laughs> and wow, that is, that's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, <gasps> I got so excited. Cause I'm like, I love this. <laughs> There's so much to unpack here, but yeah, like that's so weird that their plan to get back into the public favor is reality TV. Hmm. That's so interesting. And it's very controlled because they're like feed her lines as she's fighting these villains. Yeah. I mean, it's very much like produced and like the plan was her first and like she becomes like a public figure character and then other superheroes can do it. And it just it's like cops or I don't know, (laughs) like one of those shows. But she figures it out. She figures it out because it's too easy. Well, yeah, but that's I mean, the 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 plan of the brother was the reality tv plot right like that that's it that's that was his plan but the sister had other plans who her name is a pun and i appreciate it i feel like it's too obvious if you catch it well but her name is evelyn dever i don't get it e- <laughs> evelyn dever evil endeavor, endeavor. oh <laughs> wow yeah <laughs> So there's <laughs> the only reference I have to that is from the number 23. Did you ever see that movie? No. Um, you always talk about that movie, though. I, it's horrible. Don't watch it. But <laughs> I love Jim Carrey. <laughs> That's why I saw it. But anyway, the one of the like key characters is named like. So it's all about this book that somebody wrote named the number 23. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the name of the author of the book was Topsy Topsy Kretz. Oh my god, that's so dumb. Yeah, exactly. Uh, whatever. And that really encompasses what you need to know about the number twenty-three. Yeah, Evelyn Dever. 
<laughs> and well the thing that freaked me out was and and the whole time i was like her voice sounds so familiar like i i know this voice and it's a little scary and then i see her name in the credits and i'm like nope i, I guess i don't i guess i mistook her for someone else and then i when i did my research i realized she's the mom and get out oh like the boon Oh. Yeah, I don't want to give spoilers for Get Out, but she's the mom, and yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> spoiler with the spoon. If you want to hear our thoughts about <laughs> Get Out, there's not that's not a spoiler. That's what's a her good, name? Like Mimi or something. Who, who did she voice again? Oh, the sister Evelyn Dever, the the sister. Yes, <laughs> that's so crazy. You know, she was also in the Forty Year Old Virgin. Oh yeah, I, I, I saw that too, mm-hmm. I, which I've only seen like once, so I didn't recognize it from that. But I recognize her from Get Out and nice. her voice because in Get Out, her voice is very important. Oh. Um, she's a cool. She's a really great. I'm glad that she's getting. Yeah, uh, she's getting a role. She's a good one. Yeah, she she is. I, I mean, I was creeped out, but in a good way. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it was a good because she was bad in the end. Oh, yeah, man. Those glasses were crazy. <laughs> yes, the, they are. I yeah. See. The scene. So she finds out because they're, they're having a big cocktail party and. Then she goes to these back rooms where all, all these like video cameras or the, it's the archival footage, I guess, of her breaking into the screen slavers cage. And then she sees, I guess, what the screen slaver was seeing, yeah. which is like herself. And she's and it's like a camera. And she's like, how did, how did he know? How did he, how was he able to see from my perspective or something? Yeah. yeah. Well, she got into the reality TV footage. That's It'll right. It'll tell you all the secrets. That's right. Yeah, and it's also funny they were like for the reality TV thing they were putting together all her old footage too from like her glory days. It's just so like uh, produced and oh god, this is our life. <laughs> exactly. Uh, exactly. But yeah, I mean she figures it out. She's smart, and then it's scary, and the girl keeps her hostage in a freezing room, which is a cool science moment. I would say I was happy for the kids learning that. Elasticity declines in cold temperatures oh. <laughs> and becomes more brittle. Like things become more brittle, the colder. I mean, you can always count on Pixar to bring some hard <laughs> science. <laughs> I mean, but these it. people have superpowers also. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I mean, it's a cute science moment. I feel like a science teacher could reference that and be like, remember? Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's see. I One thing I do want to bring back is Frozone. I want to talk about Frozone. I love it. I love him too. I do, but I, I was casting agree. some doubt. I even from the first one, rewatching the first one, I kept thinking that Frozone was going to come back to be the villain. And honestly, in my opinion, if I mean that might be Incredibles three, who no, knows? But no. <laughs> I think Frozone, if they really want to throw a twist, they would make Frozone well, but turn they, into a villain. They shouldn't. Like it's something to have a twist, but it's another thing to like compromise a whole great character that it's you true. trust he's such a great supporting character like yeah we trust him so much and he he helps so much in like their battles mm-hmm. like with his ice which yeah. is like a random power you would think but then he somehow it ends up being so clutch yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> like at the boat at the end it's god a whole team effort it's good yeah the ice is key mm-hmm. really really great voiced by samuel l jackson mm-hmm. which who who has expressed interest in coming back for a third yeah. one right i mean I, brad bird has two mm-hmm. which is cool i'd be fine with it it's just if it's another like 15 years kind of like girl well <laughs> the, yeah 
It's so long. They had to get a new kid actor, obviously, because the other one reached puberty for mm-hmm. Dash. I don't think it'd be another 15 years, but it might be a while. Hopefully not. But I, I'd be fine with it. I love The Incredibles. Yeah. I just hope they don't do something stupid where it's like yeah. The Incredibles make the internet. <laughs> oh, that's shade. <laughs> yeah. Thank so you. there was a trailer for Wreck-It Ralph 2. Ralph oh, yeah. That, the sequel. Well, well, so I love Wreck-It Ralph. Let's I've, make that super clear. I loved it too. But what makes it great is the world that they build for I it. I love the world. And the way so there was a trailer for the sequel uh at incredibles 2 and when we saw the trailer we realized that wreck it ralph's gonna be in the internet it's all about apps and tech companies yeah it it looked exactly like the emoji movie we've seen the emoji movie if you want to hear our thoughts we have an episode about that Mm -hmm. go back and listen it's on netflix it's awful but the trailer looked like all the same kind of yep. conflicts yep. and like even aesthetics of the emoji movie. Obviously, it's Disney, but like the big thing we talk about is all the product placement or like the brand placement because it's apps and it's it's like that gray area of like showing brands because it's part of the plot. But then it's like you 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 have to wonder at like how much they pay, you know? Yeah. To be in it, and it's it's like this one has it too, and. And that it was crazy. We thought. I mean, in some respect, I guess they did it for the first Wreck It Ralph too, because. Well, yeah, that's what I was trying to They had to get all those other IPs. Yeah, I was trying to tell Cameron like they they had other like characters that were like Nintendo and all that in the first one, but this one just looked so much like the Emoji movie, and it was like these big corporate brands that like we yeah. were used to seeing everywhere. I mean, it, ba- it almost looked like the same plot too. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Uh, and and even more so like they pull in like there's a whole princess world where every Disney princess comes back in one scene and it's just like this level of meta that I'm not really a lot of people on Twitter like feeling about yeah and I like it just to see them but like I don't see how it works in apps or anything like is there a Disney princess app probably but like is it important probably not (laughs) (laughs) thorough analysis (laughs) I mean, it's true, but that's another podcast, which we might, we should do it. We should do a regular Ralph one and two when it comes out. But can we do separate episodes? Because I really want to watch wreck it Ralph I now. know, we will, but no, we'll we'll see. However okay. Because <laughs> I love small. I know. Okay, I so. I want to talk about the short for a sec. Sure. Because Just it was important. My last little bit about Frozone okay. that I'm going to wrap up oh is God. that Incredibles 2 Frozone comes out of the shadows at night to come and talk to Alaska Girl, Mr. Incredible about this amazing offer that he's just got. And so that and to my in my views, him coming out of the shadows where he was just all in dark, it totally looked like he was being set up to be the bad guy. Well, maybe that was the thing that Pixar was trying to get you to think to make the misdirection throw you off the other. It did throw me off (laughs) just like that. Yeah, I didn't throw me off. I trust Frozone with my whole heart. And they better not make him bad. And then the... You're right. It's true. And he is really good. He's kind of redeemed himself for me, too. Like, you can't well, make he, him... he helped a lot. He did. Man. Yeah. Um, and he, like... He was, like, rushing to help the kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To, to go babysit them and all. The scene where he so there's this iconic scene right in the first one where his wife is yelling at him yeah, yeah, about yeah. his costume. It's so funny. 
they try they did you know they address that in the second one too yeah, they pay it, homage to it but it's a lot shorter and yeah they come back to it and she they still don't show her they they plan to show her at first but then they were like no I think it's funny, funniest, like to just keep her this elusive a voice, voice yeah. that's in the other room <laughs> <laughs> yelling at him. Right, it's very realistic. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> iconic moment for sure. Yeah, it comes back a little bit. I it's just, good. I love Frozen. I love seeing him more. <laughs> Where is my suit, woman? <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> he should get his own spinoff. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> he really should. Yeah, I don't know if you have anything else. I want to talk about the short. Yeah, let's go for it. Well, I mean, I have some other points about Incredibles too, though. Okay, we'll think you, about them while yeah. we do this. Go ahead. So the short before Incredibles 2 is called Bao, about a Chinese woman and a dumpling. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I'm gosh. assuming, so it's spoilers here. We're in the spoilers section. So if you haven't seen it, don't listen. But it was fucking sad. <laughs> I saw a tweet that was like, Oh, the only reason Incredibles 2 exists is to give the audience two hours to recover from that sad short. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> because, dang, oh, it's sad. It's sad as an immigrant person, daughter for me. It's sad just as a young adult growing up. Hmm. It's very real. And I saw the metaphor so clear that, like, she eats it at the end because it's that's such a good metaphor (laughs) for like mothers that are too something that ends up driving the kid away forever yeah you know too over clinging yeah that ends up like hindering or you know it was sad we were both crying yeah it made (laughs) me cry so bad (laughs) so bad yeah those shorts are brilliant they they pack in so much in a short period of time and silent it was was complete that one was completely silent and they usually are but usually like most pixar they're not people Mm -hmm. usually it's like an umbrella or like the a bird or whatever it's a really good example of uh telling a story through action yes which is an ongoing mantra that any film school is ever going to teach you which again is also what pixar does really well and you know, you're watching a movie and you're wondering why you're not entertained. Well, it's probably because they're busy in dialogue trying to tell you the story and not show you the story. So the short does a really great job of effectively showing the story. Yeah. Well, that's why they challenge you in film school at first to do like silent stuff. Oh, for sure. For sure. No dialogue because that's the best way to like, yeah, figure out how to do that. Exactly. And it's, and it's a lot of the reason why, like slapstick comedy is still a thing to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, so many scholars are still looking back at the silent film era. And it's also why, like, there's a lot of frustration about how little silent film there is that still exists because there's probably a lot of great work in there that we could still learn from that just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. I think animation is the place it lives on. Like animated That's a really, shorts. Really great point. Yeah. Because a lot of the ones I see, like I, I always like to see the Oscar ones or whatever, but a lot of them are silent no, mm-hmm. or no dialogue. It's true. <laughs> I guess like what I took away from like the very last shot is they have the dad who's like watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Or at the table, and I just thought that was very cute. And <laughs> typical. Yeah. I mean, the mom really bears most of the mm-hmm. pains. It's true. 
Do you have any more notes about Incredibles 2? I don't. I actually have one. Uh, I, I, I made a collection of notes also, but covered everything on my list except for one piece of note, which is a pretty good one, I think, to wrap up on. But it has to do with the overall structures of the first one versus Incredibles 2. And from how I was watching it, we... So, so you know, something we I think we've touched on in the past few episodes is how the classic Hollywood formula tends to ha- give us these two types of conflict builds up, build-ups. Oh, like where the, the... So this is like when there's a conflict at the climax and then it, it gets resolved, but then there ends up being like a bigger conflict that's like way bigger stakes mm-hmm. right after it like you feel like a sense of relief for a sec and then it's like oh no right it's way worse right and uh i felt like the first movie followed that a lot better than the new one the incredibles 2 and i felt like the incredibles 2 was i mean i don't want to say more traditional but that there was more just a one track trajectory yeah for me well it was a long a lot of action climax that a lot of little conflicts yes building up i think i guess the big stake the biggest stake one was the boat crashing into the city uh-huh conflict but yeah it wasn't as like clear as like that that format we've right. talked about yeah to me it the way that i was just following it it just really felt like one steady progression towards mm-hmm. the one final climax at the end of yeah. everybody on the boat so that was just something that I noticed that there wasn't really any other type of like sub conflict that they were trying to solve that gets solved and then leads to another one. It just kind of all led to the same direction. But for me, it actually like I it, in the past I've had issues with that because I feel like it's a cop out. Well, yeah, it depends on the movie. I feel like right. a lot of them have like a short, simple conflict and it gets resolved mm-hmm. and then it's over. That's those are the bad movies. And we've seen a lot of those too, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it works really well for this movie. Yeah. And especially well, it's a long enough sequence that right. it doesn't feel like, Oh, we're done. <laughs> and we have, we have more than just the protagonist that we're invested in. Yeah. Like we have some real characters in this movie that we care about that we want to see get developed more and to see how they're going to respond to certain problems. So, yeah, well, cause uh, the protagonists are like a family almost. So mm-hmm. it's like you have a lot of people to follow, mm-hmm. which makes it more exciting. Yeah. And then I guess to also put a little cherry on all of this, which is not related to this, but uh, just something I'm noticing actually with Pixar in general. And it was something that's also in Incredibles is that, and this is a big compliment to them. They don't waste a shot. Every shot, there's some sort of movement or action that happens in the shot that just makes it like it's a, it's intentional. That shot was meant to be there and they do something with it. They do something creative. And it's what to me makes Pixar stand out as an animation studio is that they really focus on the details of every little thing, just like Studio Ghibli does with every shot. There's some sort of uh, movement or some sort of little detail in that specific shot, no matter how short it is. Like I, I dare you to find a shot that there's not some sort of little action or detail that happens in it. And it's just brilliant in that regard. And in contrast to 
an animated movie that we just watched where that was not so much the case, but uh, that will remain unnamed for right now. Let's just say it had Will Smith in it. Oh my God. <laughs> sorry. Shame. I'm sorry. Will Smith is just a better actor, actor and not voice actor. <laughs> But that's it for this episode. Yeah. We uh, we have two more stages, two more little steps left for you. We need to grade it and we need to give a shout out. Yes. So great. Grade first. Yeah. Um, for Incredibles 2. Well, let's do both, but be quick about it. Yeah. First I mean, instinct. A and A. A plus and A minus. Oh. So Incredibles 1, Incredibles 2. I mean, it, for, it's really hard for a sequel to live up to anything i think it lives up but like it's still a sequel you know mm-hmm. it's i don't think there's any sequel i can think of that i would grade a perfect score you know but there's a lot of you just haven't si- seen the dark knight so I'll i have you. seen the dark knight actually <laughs> and i don't remember any of it because it's not memorable because it's all action so no comments <laughs> other than you're wrong I've seen The Dark Knight. And <laughs> to me, that's the only like sequel that does better than the first Superhero one. sequels don't count because they do them all out of order. It makes no sense. <laughs> anyway, I don't think there's a sequel I can think of that lives up to the original. So that makes sense. Oh, yeah. So I haven't seen Star Wars. So that one's another one that I think makes no sense because it's all over the place. You're all over the place. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Says the person who never saw Star Wars. Well, I know, but they're all out of order. Why would they do that? They're not out of order. They are. I mean, they come the out trilogies out are out of order. But the trilogy is in order I don't of get that it. respective trilogy. I don't get it. Maybe, okay, the Harry Potter sequels. It's just the trill life and you don't understand. <laughs> the Harry Potter sequels is the ones I'll give it to. But that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them. I smell bias, but let's uh, let's wrap it up with a shout out. Yeah, we got to so mention someone. My shout out is going to be, she's a, an old friend from elementary school. Her name is Kelly. Hi, Kelly. And she was kind enough. It was a long time ago, but I was waiting for a Disney related topic because I think she works at Disney. Um, what? Could she give me a job? Um, I don't know. You can ask her. <laughs> and she shouted us out on her story and she has a lot of followers and it was just really nice of her because we're not like in touch per se we just like follow each other and she was nice enough to shout us out on her story and like the hikey book club as a podcast and she was had really kind words to say about us and stuff and she follows us and she's really nice about it and she makes youtube videos what she does yeah what's her channel at or Kelly Killer. Kelly Killer. I'm and looking her up. I'm gonna go find. I'm gonna go follow her right now. Okay. And I'm subscribing. <laughs> her. It's Kelly spelled like K E L L E E. K E L L E E. Yeah. Killer. Yeah. And her videos are really cool. She she has like a hundred or so subscribers, which is really cool. And you should definitely give her a watch. Like I feel like there's not people don't watch enough smaller channels on YouTube. And there's a lot out there. I was, I was, I saw some of her videos and I was like, yeah, and like, that's cool. <gasps> and I liked her stuff. What? So her first video is react to Taylor Swift's ready for it. <laughs> oh yeah, girl, you are my kind of channel. I'm going <laughs> to 
subscribe nice yeah i'm subscribed. she has a react to taylor swift look what you made me do music video well, I, you, she sounds right up your alley you love maybe? taylor swift oh look at that officially a college graduate advice about college <laughs> oh man okay let's oh we're we need i'm gonna to wrap go, it up but okay. cameron's gonna go fangirl <laughs> and <laughs> yeah so give her a follow on she's also at kelly killer on instagram she posts motivational stuff and stuff about her videos and whatnot so and some pictures of disney which are always fun but thank you kelly for listening to Hikey book club yeah and thanks so shouting much. us out because not a lot of people would do that yeah we really don't have much fan base outside of austin city limits but <laughs> we're we're all about expanding our base as far as we can yeah From so if you city. have any thoughts or thoughts about this episode any episode we've done or any requests about future episodes email us at highkeepbookclub at gmail.com or follow us on twitter instagram at highkeepbookclub uh yeah anything that you want us to talk more about or maybe talk less about you can comment on our facebook page we also have a youtube channel at Haggy Book Club. Thanks for all the love on our drag video. We did a drag video because we just covered RuPaul's, RuPaul's Drag, drag Race, Race Season 10 finale. Yeah, the episode just came out yesterday. Sorry about the delay. There was what? We have a new episode that came out? I gotta go listen. <laughs> well, that's cool. You're getting like a double week. Yeah, so this yeah, this week y'all got lucky because last <laughs> week you got unlucky because we didn't release. Because well, we they, had a video. So it's like they're did. getting a lot of content. I they're, know. So I had to edit the video and the Drag Race podcast was like 10, hungry. 10 hours long. So it, it just took a lot of editing out of me. And that's why I barely finished the Drag Race podcast. But thanks for the love on our drag video. It was a lot of fun to make. And I think people have had fun watching it. So if you haven't yeah. watched it, it's over on our YouTube channel, which is Haiki Book Club. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for recording with me, Zeleni. I've had so much fun. Yeah, me too. Good. Next week, we'll be back with... It's another incredible episode. Yeah. <laughs> maybe a doc, maybe a TV show. We're not sure yet. We we got we got works in the pipes. Yeah, we got a lot in the pipes. We've literally watched like 10 movies since we last oh recorded. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I know. Gosh, is it going to be Heath Ledger? Is it going to oh. be... <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is it going to be Prince Diaries? <laughs> Paris is burning. Well, so much fun. Thanks so much for tuning in. Oh, yeah, Mr. Rogers. <gasps> and with that, no more spoilers for you. And you'll be hearing from us.